0: When someone tells me they're gonna strike out on their own or they're gonna start their own business, one of the first questions, if not the first question I ask them is Do you have an accountant? Now, in the construction industry, in the renovation business, one of the challenges we have if we wanna make more money is upward mobility. You can only make so much working for someone else. And often the solution for us is let's jump into starting our own business. And all too often, we do so with no guidance. This is definitely something an accountant can help with. And this is not just in the drywall industry. This is industry-wide. My accountant, Lori Curtis from Curtis Valar here in Guelph, has been a part of everything I've done for over a decade. And I thought it'd be great to talk to her about the do's and don'ts about what it means to go out on your own. In drywall, so many people are their own business, right? So maybe you start out working as a junior for somebody and you decide you want to strike out on your own. Most of what we do, and I've started becoming a drywaller, shall we say, it's all labor-driven. There isn't a lot of material. So if someone were to come to you as an accountant and say, I'm starting out on my own. How do I get started so I make sure my business runs properly? And what are the common mistakes that I need to avoid?
1: Well, there could be lots of things there, a lot. So one of the things we see often is people not registering for HST when they should. So it's okay when you first start off because you don't have to register till you've hit 30,000. That's okay initially, but it doesn't take long before you get there. And what people get confused on is they think it's $30,000 profit, it's $30,000 revenue. So then they get lost and you're giving up ITCs and that leads into having tax bills with CRA. So probably the biggest thing that I see people do is get behind with the government in their first couple of years, and then it will take you five years to catch up.
0: Are you talking about me and my history or are you just talking about a <laughs> general? I have not
1: just seen it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I see it over and over again. So it's that because you just, you go and work. Then you you spend what you're working because initially when you start a business, you need everything that you're making. So you tend to get behind in your records and that is a very big mistake.
0: That's a huge thing that I've never really thought about the way you worded it there. And, like, in the beginning, you do need all of it, right? So you're kind of borrowing from Peter to pay Paul to get all this stuff done. And then, before you know it, you're two years behind on your taxes and going. And it's almost
1: hmm. impossible to catch up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So if you can figure out a way to not get behind and be disciplined at the beginning, you are making yourself so much further ahead for year three, four, and five, because now you don't have to play catch up. You can actually go and grow your business and now make money.
0: Right. And something, we'll use my own experience because you and I have had a working relationship for near a decade. And I have probably made most of these mistakes that you and I are talking about. And now that I'm kind of starting fresh in the drywall industry, I know what to avoid. And your point there of like, you just work. So there's more to it than the HST, right? You and I talked over the years about bookkeeping and all these things. And like you said, so many of us just go work and Kind of turn a blind eye. And
1: lose receipts.
0: <laughs> well, now it's all online, right? So the receipts are there, technically
1: speaking. Well, if you know to go online, right? You've learned that through your 10 years of doing it the wrong way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> eight. Eight years yeah. of doing it the wrong way. We right? got it but together. But a lot of people starting
1: year. out, you're not even thinking about an accounting program. No. Right? You went to Staples. you got the manual invoicing book. And you're writing that out by hand. And hopefully you can find that at the end of the year, as well as your receipts that hopefully are still legible because they've been sitting in your truck all year. Well, I
0: would think the modern generation of people getting into drywall now, they're so into their phones and apps are a big deal. Just because you download and start using the QuickBook apps doesn't mean you keep it up to date, right? So I learned the hard way of here's what I can do and here's what I should do. So like your WSIB and all those things, keeping up with that is a lot for people. Is there another Especially when way? you don't
1: understand how to do it. You've never seen that before. You probably came from being an employee. You got your paycheck and that's what you had to spend. And now this is a totally different world of, you know, WSIB, which when you're in the contracting world, you're going to be paying some of the top rates. It's just the way that it works.
0: Yeah. And the other thing to add on to that is like, you're spending a whole day working. Now you're doing the business side. So what's going to happen is you get home, you're tired, and you say, I'll get to that another day.
1: You have to put aside the time, right? You're not going to do it at night. You're not going to do it on the weekend. There's always something more fun to do. You're a drywaller. That's what you're skilled at doing. You're not an accountant. You're not a bookkeeper. And you probably don't even really like to do it. But those first couple of years, you also probably can't afford to have somebody else do it.
0: No, no.
1: Right? So you got to keep it simple, but keep it current. And then when you hate doing it, hopefully you can grow that business to a a point where now it makes sense to be bringing somebody else on to help you with the bookkeeping side of it. But from the beginning, you should probably have an accountant just for high level to keep you in track. Because what I see often is a lot of people, they start their business and not only are they behind on their taxes paying the government, they also didn't file. So now you're catching up. So it's not just one year that you owe the government. It's now two years. Plus you filed late. So now you have a 5% late filing penalty. You're giving money away by doing that. The government's going to take it. Where do you want it to go? Do you want it to stay in your pocket or do you want to give it away? And that's what you're doing by not staying current.
0: I still remember the moment very vividly that we had where I am one of these people who kind of let it slide and I didn't do my taxes for potentially. You're not the
1: worst I've ever seen, though.
0: Well, I'm going to take that as a compliment.
1: You're pretty good. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But I remember you sliding over and going, it's your best year ever. Here's your tax bill. (laughs) And just the awkward laugh I let out when I looked at the number. And I was really fortunate to be able to come back from that, to navigate that. And now how I'm doing it is so different. Because drywall is just so labor heavy, you don't have a lot of material expenses. I'm basically taking the money that I have and putting 30% aside, putting my HST aside, and then a little slice of it for WSIB and then keeping the rest. What are some tactics that you would recommend people who early on, perhaps they have an accountant, but can't afford to have them do their books say month to month? What are some of the routines you think they should have? Because discipline is what a lot of us lack and me included, right?
1: Yep. So setting aside the time and figuring out what that best time is for you to do it. So setting aside the time on Monday morning, first thing may not be the best time for everybody, right? That might be the best time to get on the job site and get going. But if you're not really a great worker, say Friday afternoon at three o'clock, maybe you do step aside then and actually spend the two hours And if you're doing it weekly, you're not going to need two hours when you're first start. You're going to need 30 minutes. You need to find 30 minutes to keep it up to date. And whether that's using a QuickBooks where you can photograph the receipts and put them in or just keeping it really simple and using an Excel spreadsheet. It doesn't matter what you do at the beginning as long as you stay current. So that would be the first thing.
0: So much of what I did in my years of the errors was like, I bought everything with the same account. So I only had one bank account and one credit card specifically dedicated to the business. And at the very least, I would invoice through QuickBooks. And that, I think, didn't make it better, but maybe made it less worse.
1: I think because you can, if you invoice through a program, at least you can always go back and find it. If you have the manual book, if it's gone, it's gone. You're not coming back to find that. And the other thing that you said there with the bank accounts, yes, love that. And what you might want to also do is open up an HST bank account. So when you get paid on that invoice that you sent out, you take the HST on there and throw it into the savings account. Because there's something about not having it in there and putting it somewhere else, even though it's just somewhere else, you don't go and spend it. Because you got to remember with HST, you're holding that in trust for the government. That is not your money and they're going to come after you hard. The other thing with that, usually people have set up as an annual filer initially because CRA will default to that so that you're only filing your HST once a year. When you get your taxes done and been through this as well, one, there's the tax bill that doesn't have the HST in there. That's going to be a separate bill. And if you haven't planned for that, it's really, really difficult. So you could have in that first year, like if you make $50,000 in your first year, I'm telling you, you owe $15,000 in taxes. By the time you pay your CPP, everybody forgets about that. You have to pay the CPP yeah. and you're paying the employer's portion of the CPP. So you get to pay it twice. Then there's the taxes. And then you probably owe another $10,000 to $15,000 in HST. So if you didn't plan for that, you might have planned for half of it. Another fifteen, dollars owing $30,000 can be the end of the world to you. Especially because I usually find in those first couple of years, nobody has any idea and they are shocked.
0: That CPP one that you're paying both ends of the CPP was what really blew me away because I remember vividly, like, the first couple of years, I made no money, right? Because I was a general contractor. So, my expenses and, like, buying a truck and all those things were so high. And then every three months was a scramble to put my HST together. And the number of filings I missed were probably ridiculous. All of them. But (laughs) But it was... the meeting with you where you said, I said, well, I have so many expenses, I won't pay taxes. You were like, "Um, CPP doesn't count as a tax. And you're paying both sides of it. And you're paying that regardless was the moment where I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. Because everybody just says, well, it's a write-off. I was like.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a scale on the CPP, but it adds up quickly. Like you only have to make $65,000, which most people after a couple of years in a business are going to be there. And I'm you have a $6,000 tax bill just in CPP.
0: Yeah, that was eye-opening for that one. And I now have the discipline to, like you said, have the savings account, the checking account, and the credit card all linked so that I can move them around within that space. As soon as the money comes in, I split it up and I don't think about it. And the tough part in the beginning was like the money was so sporadic that you don't know how to manage it.
1: Yeah, and the other thing I see people do is they pay themselves first. Yes. You're not first in line anymore. That's employee mentality. You want to own a business, that's the part that gets hard. You're not first, you got to pay your bills. And that includes the government, that includes the suppliers, that includes the gas, then you get paid. So I usually see people are overpaying themselves and then you get it used to that lifestyle. So when you get behind, it's now even harder to catch up because you're used to spending money that didn't belong to you in the first place.
0: And the narrative out there is always pay yourself first, you know, and it's not exactly accurate in the sense...
1: If you can afford it, you don't know what you can afford yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And they're using it as a motivation tool, like pay yourself first and then hustle to pay all your bills. And it's sort of like, no. Most people are wired that way.
1: I don't see people hustle to pay their bills, (laughs) (laughs) right? You'll hustle to pay yourself because you got to pay the mortgage, but, you know, not to pay your credit card off.
0: I found, and I think this conversation is probably revealing to whoever's listening, that our relationship was one that I benefited greatly from in the beginning, right? And it was later on that it really started to be a case where you were helping grow my business. In the beginning, you were just helping me survive and tell me what I didn't know. And a lot of people that I talked to said, like, yeah, I have a bookkeeper. And I was like, do you have an accountant? You should A lot of people about- don't know the
1: difference either, right? So-
0: right. So that being said, can you kind of take a minute to explain as an accountant what you can do for somebody in the different phases of their business? Because I know in the beginning, you were essentially teaching me and keeping me afloat. And then in the later years, it was really very much a service where you are saying, how do I find a better way to help your business? That's a path, right? It's not something that year one you figure out. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so the relationship changes as your business changes. So initially you say it's that survivor mode. To me, it's that organizing mode. So how do we get you organized? Are you set up properly so that you can go succeed? But also that point in time is we know you need to keep your costs low, right? So trying to do that in an effective way. Then the next phase is kind of that growing phase, a little bit of scaling that has multiple things to going from, okay, I can pay my bills and I'm kind of making now what I made it as an employee to now I make more than I made as an employee and I like this to now I make a little bit more and I really like this. And then hopefully if we do all of that properly, now we're making more than we need to live off of, which is a wonderful place to be at. And that's the conversation that starts with, is it time to incorporate?
0: Yeah. And one of the crazy things about drywall is, I mean, that I'm learning in the beginning and a lot of these podcast interviews that I've done is the money once you get to a certain stage is really deceiving because you're like, I'm getting paid a ton of money and they don't manage it well. And then they've got lifestyle creep that's so high that they can't, there's no space for them to get comfortable because they've been spending at a high level the whole time.
1: And it's also the growth part of it, too, because usually what happens is somewhere in that phase, you go from being one guy to needing more than one guy, because now you've got the reputation, you're getting bigger, you're getting more jobs. So you may not be the guy on the tools anymore, or only partially on the tools, and you need somebody else. And so that's when incorporation become a really good tool, because if you're in here, this range, usually we see people paying anywhere between 40 and 53% tax. That makes it very, very difficult to fund your business to be able to grow because you're giving it to the government.
0: What's that ceiling for you to be in that tax bracket? Is it 90,000?
1: Yeah, you start to creep up in there, that 100,000. Okay. Yeah. And then once you're over 200, you're paying the 53.
0: Yeah. So it
1: doesn't take that long. Like if you are a guy out on your own with how things are now and you're hustling, you could be making 80 to 100,000 pretty quickly. You're now gonna start to see high tax rates. So if you don't need that, which sometimes we need it, but when you don't need it or choose that you're going to invest in the company, incorporation becomes a really good tool because anything you leave in there, the first 500,000, you're only paying 12.2% tax. That's a heck of a lot less than 40%. So now you get to leave it in there. You start funding growth. You don't have to go to the bank all the time. You are invested in your own business. And that lets you really scale, which is kind of that third part.
0: What I see a lot of the time in the drywall industry is not necessarily a lot of scaling, but you see people develop their skill to the point that they're doing these big custom homes or commercial jobs on their own. They have no overhead and all they're doing- you know, you're doing a house in a week and making six grand and you're doing 12, 15 of those a year plus all the little stuff. You're hitting anywhere from $120,000 to $160,000 like real fast. And it just keeps going and and you hear the stories of guys going like, I need more money. And you don't know what's happening because you're watching them do these huge jobs and you know how much money they're getting, but they're strapped. And you're like, What's going on? And I would assume not paying attention to their taxes might be one of the reasons that they need that money.
1: Especially if you're hearing that in the summertime when yeah. those tax bills came in. <laughs> right. And now they've had their grace period with CRA and they're starting to call.
0: I've never thought of that actually. I'm I'm gonna pay attention to that this year to see what happens to guys when I'm talking to them. And so as you get deeper into that relationship as the time goes on, I noticed with our conversation, so my taxes would get done. And then we would come in and chat. I noticed you suddenly had more in depth questions for me. Like, where do you want to go with your business? What do you want to do? What do you see?
1: That's going to be a big difference between kind of that bookkeeping and accounting side or accountant side, or should be if you have an accountant that you are planning right? So asking those questions, are you satisfied with where your business is today? Where do you want to go? How can we help you get there? Because when that gets to be visual and you start to speak it to it, now we can actually make a plan. So it's not my plan, it's your plan. Yeah. So how do we get there? Where did you think this was going to go when you started? Are you there? No, you're not there yet? Okay, what aren't you satisfied with? What's pulling you away? What's keeping you up at night? So starting to have those conversations so you can fix those things so that you can become even more profitable.
0: Yeah, and you looked at it, and what I loved about working with you guys was always, it wasn't just about my business. It's like, what are you trying to get out of this on a personal level? And for me, it was like, I want to find a way to get my business to buy my time back. And that path has changed over the years. But it was nice to have something that was not just about my business but about my path because you were doing my wife's taxes at the same time. So we're all kind of navigating our financial position together. So that was great. One of the things to go back to maybe the bookkeeping side and something that once we pass the early stages of, say, organizing, as you call it, or survival, as I call it, for me was the realization that, like, I can do my books, but I wasn't doing
1: them. But I'm not good at it.
0: And it wasn't just not being good at it. I wasn't actually doing them at all. And it was like, it wasn't conceptually like, oh, I can't do this. It was, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then I'm filing everything late. Your company offered something very different in the sense that you would say, okay, what do you need done? How much can I absolve from you? Here's what it costs. And I was, you know, given the size of my business, the fee was so small. So what things can you guys help with as an accounting firm, not specifically your firm, but in general, that can help a small business navigate that?
1: Yeah. So it's always good to start off doing your own books. Always recommend that because you have to have an understanding of actually what the numbers are because this is going to benefit you later. Nobody's going to know your business better than you, even the person that you're hiring. Then it's going to be in there. What are the things you don't like to do, don't have time to do? Because there are some things that people like to do. Usually I find with contractors, though, you guys don't like any of it. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> you guys don't like any of it. But in other industries, we see a lot of times people want to keep their payroll. They really like doing it. So payroll's fine. Construction, not so much. Yeah. So it can be from anywhere. And then how often do you need that to be done? Right. So, trying to keep the cost low as you get bigger, you might very well need it monthly so that you can stay on top of things. And that can be a range of things. So, yeah, saying, okay, you need it monthly. Well, what does that mean? So, you're going to probably always do your invoicing. Very hard to outsource that. Usually, should be something that you enjoy. Right. That means money coming (laughs) through the door. But then, after that, getting those copies over there, different ways to do that, making sure all your expenses are in. So, things that you paid on the credit card, are they matching to the statements from Home Depot, Lona, Rona? Lows, all of that. Vehicle expenses, all those gas receipts that get thrown and blown around in the truck. Do we have a handle on to those, to getting those in there? Do you need help paying your bills? Sometimes that's something that people need help with. Calculating, even if you're an annual filer for HST, you can still be calculating your HST along the way and encouraging you to make installments.
0: I remember telling you, I made a mistake with my HST because I was paying it on the overall total. Do you remember this?
1: Probably not. So say
0: like, if I invoiced for a $1,000 and my HST included was $1,130, yeah. I was counting all of that as revenue right? and then paying my HST on that overall total. And I think we were two years in and you're like, what are you doing? You overpaid this. I'm like, can we get that money back? You're like, no, you do not go back and talk to CRA unless you want them looking we at you, We made that right? decision.
1: Yes. We You did. could yes. go back. You absolutely could go back and amend it. In this case, it didn't make sense because we didn't want to open up the door into a potential CRA audit, which is what happens when you amend. The amount didn't, we decided that risk wasn't worth taking at that time, but for somebody else, it may very well be a risk that's worth taking. Yes. Yes. So your total sales is different than your revenue.
0: Right. And for the year, you know, at that time, I wasn't doing in and around $200,000 a year. That's still a lot of money to make that clerical error, right? And these are the things that I, as somebody who is in my books trying to figure it out, learned that have benefited me later. But yeah, definitely a lot of lessons learned from doing my own books along the way.
1: And what that also means too, is when you do your own books, then when you're in these other phases of your business and you're talking to your accountant and seeing that stuff, You'll know in your gut if that makes sense. Because again, you know your business better than anybody else. So when that statement, I don't understand that. You're going to ask different questions. That doesn't seem right. That revenue looks slow. Oh, because I forgot to save some invoices. And you're going to catch those things. If you always fully just give that to somebody else, you're not going to. So you've put 100% trust in somebody else. And your knowledge of what those statements are is going to be night and day right? Everybody understands the income statement. We all just intuitively get that.
0: How much different are things now versus say 15 years ago? 15 years ago, a lot of these softwares are very nascent and not necessarily accessible as they are now. You guys put us on a project management software that connected to our QuickBooks, our accounting software that really was a big change for us.
1: Yep. Jobber.
0: Well, no, that was, Russ was using Jobber and we were okay. using Noify. Oh, but Noify. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. It was so integrated that it we didn't miss any invoices ever.
1: It's night and day difference between now and even 10 years ago, even five years ago. So five years ago, things were here, but people in Canada, North America, very hesitant to go there. This is probably about five years ago that we did it. Now it's very rare to see people not using more sophisticated stuff because for the most part, they're not that expensive. It's not like how it used to be when you got this and that was a $10,000 investment. It's now for a couple of programs, a $50 a month investment to save you hours of time.
0: I still talk to contractors on and off who are not using a project management software and it yeah. kind of blows it's me common, away. still common,
1: just not I'm like, like how it was. Yeah.
0: Well, usually those are the scenarios like, oh, my wife takes care of it. And I go, do you hate your wife? Like, Do do you want to make her happy? You should try this.
1: Sorry, just with that too, what do you want to spend your time doing? So it's your wife doing it. Is that the best use of her time to be inputting data into a system? Or for you, if you're doing it yourself, or is the best use of your time to invest in this 50 bucks a month that takes away probably half, if not more of your bookkeeping time. That's what we see at least 50%. And now instead of spending your time inputting, you're actually looking at your receivables and you have time to make that call. You're actually looking at your income statement and does it make sense? So instead of being a data processor, you know, the monkey behind the computer, putting everything in, you're actually looking at your business and what it's doing and can make now decisions instead of just getting something done because the HSTs do.
0: That was a huge step for me coming from doing my own books and then moving to the software to be able to do more analysis to say, this is where we're making money. This is where we're not. These are where we can be more efficient. And the software just made that easier, right? Because I didn't have to create my own data set, you know, whereas I'm like, how am I going to organize the spreadsheet? No, it's all done for me. And now that, that just made it that much easier. I mean, The other thing I had to learn was how to use the software properly. I didn't know how, we weren't using it properly. And then Charlotte, when she started doing it, like the color on the jobs went different. I'm like, why are the colors different? She's like, oh, we didn't turn on this two functions. So that color means the jobs were profitable. And I'm like, that means they were all profitable. (laughs) And it was like, that's amazing. So just that little thing over the last five years has, to me, was revolutionary as an insight into my business.
1: What we find is, and it's human nature, we nickel and dime all these little small expenses. So yeah, I just told you it's probably about 50 bucks a month. Maybe it's 75. Oh, I don't want to spend that. No, that's too much. That's going to be 600, maybe 1,000 dollars over the year. But then we'll go and hire somebody to go and do that, whether it's an employee or a bookkeeper or whatever, and we'll pay them 20,000 dollars, because we didn't want to pay this other expense, and it just we all do it. We catch ourselves doing it all the time. People get fixated on the little things. Because, oh, I can do that myself. It's not worth it. Yeah, you can. And what are you giving up either by not doing it or the time it takes you to do it how we used to do things in the 90s? It's not the 90s anymore. Hasn't been for a long time. And North America is so far behind.
0: Well, we we talked about it a few years ago, moving to, say, a direct payment system peer to peer because our generation doesn't have checks anymore.
1: Well, checks in Europe don't exist. They haven't existed since 2018. We're getting better here. I mean, our business, we write very few checks anymore. It's just the checks for the people who don't know how to use an online, you know, how to do a transfer or have a payment system. But we are, compared to Australia, Europe, Canada, and the U.S., would be 10 to 15 years behind them in their adoption wow. of technology.
0: Okay, so my last question or my last point is going to be one that you and I discussed years ago, probably in our first meeting. And then I have this conversation regularly with a lot of people who are in the beginning stages of their business, which was they're not charging enough.
1: Yep, number one mistake. I
0: remember you looking at me, you said, okay, here's your taxes and here's everything. And I, I remember saying like, okay, So I'm busy all the time. I have all these great reviews. How come I have no money? And like, I wasn't even finished the sentence before you said like, you're not charging enough. I looked at you and you started breaking the numbers down and I was shocked. And you're like, you're out of business in five years if you don't do this. And I was like-
1: Wow, it was that blunt. (laughs)
0: well, like you weren't,
1: it it does sound like me.
0: I felt like you were comfortable enough with me to be that way maybe. And you, you just kind of said like, look, if you're going to survive, you have to be marking it up more than you're marking it up now. If you're going to have an employee, you need these things otherwise. And to me, I didn't look at it as blunt. I looked at it as like, this is it. Like, if you don't do this,
1: yeah. You know, you can't peter along like that. Right. And that's the mistake everybody makes because we're so desperate to get that job because we're so scared to not have that job. Well, what's the point in taking that job if you didn't pay you anything or if it only paid you minimum wage, right? Like that's not the point in doing any of this. And what we have to learn and you learn this in experience is that there's so much work out there.
0: Yeah. Well, especially you can say now. No. Even more so now because more now than ever. There are so many fewer people doing it. And that's a different conversation altogether. But it was just such a revelation to me. And I can remember that year. And then the following year might have been the year that I had the highest sales. And this is when it was just me and one other guy. And then the year that year was the highest sales. But the year I made the most money, I sold for way less. And I had way less jobs. And you're just like, yeah, you started pricing it properly. you know. And, it's and not about the top line. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter
1: if you do a million dollars in sales if you only kept $20,000. Much rather you did $200,000 of sales and you kept $100,000. Yeah.
0: yeah. The not charging enough is the one with people. Sure, there's people who aren't good at bookkeeping and all of that and whatever. It was the not charging enough that was drowning people. And then they start playing catch up and then they start making bad decisions with their quality of work. Yeah, And they start bouncing around. It's a circle,
1: right? Because as soon as you're not charging enough, you're also now not making those installments into the government because you need it.
0: And you're probably not paying your suppliers or yourself or your employees.
1: You're probably paying yourself. That's usually what I see, right? Because you need to eat, you need to pay the mortgage, pay the rent, whatever that is. But you just have put yourself into a circle and just being brave enough. We say, take the courage pills. Just be brave enough to even start, start at 10% higher. And when you start to get no, you know, then go, you might not get any no's at 10%. So then go another 10%. You'll know when you've hit the peak because you're going to start to get no's, but you don't get to dictate the market price.
0: That's great. To wrap up, is there anything that you think we have missed that somebody starting out should really know? Or is there something that you said earlier you want to reinforce?
1: I think just take a bit of time before you do that first sale to actually plan right? What does this business need to do for you to live off? What are the steps you need to do to take that to make it happen? What can you do to make your life easier, whether that's a program, Excel spreadsheet, whatever that is, just have a little bit of time, set aside the time to have a little bit of forethought before you jump in. Because running a business is going to be the hardest thing you ever do.
0: Or could they just make it a point with an accountant?
1: Sure. <laughs> that works too. They'll at least guide you, but you can't do all the work. You have to be willing to set aside the time to do the work. And if you're not willing You're not the guy that should go out on your own. And we see that a lot too.
0: I think the big thing in the industry that I see with younger people because I'm super social and I end up talking to them is they don't know where to start. And when they look at me, I'm like, do you have an accountant? That's the first thing I ask them. And if they go, oh no, I'm like, go talk to one.
1: Start there. At least they can put you on the path.
0: Yeah, find one who knows about the trades, ask who other people are using and go talk to them. Because if you don't know where to start, you don't know what you're missing. And so you might think you have it all together and you're like, yeah, I got an HST number. Are you collecting HST on your invoices? Well, no.
1: Did you put the HST number on your invoice?
0: Right. Like all those things that you don't know because you're busy taping or hanging drywall, that's somebody else who can help you with that. So, super appreciate you doing this, Lori. No problem. As you can see, Lori knows me and my goals very well, and I'm always grateful for her time because she's done so much for me, my business, and my family. I can't speak to what other accountants do or don't do, but what I can say is that having a good accountant who understands the arc of what you're trying to do, both personally and professionally, is instrumental in navigating the successes and failures of running a business and your finances. You don't hire an expert so you can ignore what their advice is. That's just dumb. If you're thinking of starting a business or you've already started one, find an accountant who can help you organize and grow. I want to take a second to thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.